As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Nasser Al-Khalafi wears many hats. He's president of Paris Saint-Germain, chairman of the European Clubs Association, in addition to many other titles, and he wants the Champions League to grow and be modernized in line with the Super Bowl. This according to an interview he did with The Athletic's Adam Crafton. Adam was on The Athletic Football podcast yesterday to speak about his interview with Al-Khalafi, and we'll share part of that discussion that he had with the crew there on this feed today. I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic, and this is Soccer Every Day for Tuesday, April 5th. Before we get to that, as usual, it's your TV guide for today, and all times are Eastern. There are a lot of games in cup competitions today, international cups, domestic cups, pretty much everything that I'm going to read right now is from a cup competition, starting, of course, with the Champions League. Both of these games at 3 p.m. were in the quarterfinals, first legs, and uh, big matchups pretty much all over the board now, starting with today, Manchester City versus Atletico Madrid, and Benfica hosting Liverpool. The Man, Man City-Atletico Madrid game is on Big CBS, Paramount Plus, and Tudene. Benfica versus Liverpool is on Paramount Plus and Galavision, for those of you that are in the United States. It is also a big day in the Copa Libertadores, which is sort of the Champions League equivalent in South America. However, they're at sort of the opposite end of the competition. The very, very beginning, this is match day one of the group stage, and there are two windows for games that are happening tonight. Some of them kick off at 6.15 p.m., some of them kick off at 8.30 p.m. In the 6.15 p.m. window, we have Caracas versus Atlético Paranense, Olimpia versus Cerro Porteño, and Colón versus Peñarol. At 8.30 p.m., we have Always Ready, great club name, versus Corinthians, Deportivo Cali versus Boca Juniors, and Sporting Cristal versus Flamengo. All of these games are going to be on various B in Sports channels, whether that's main B in Sports, B in Sports in Espanol, B in Sports Connect, one of those. And last but certainly not least, among the international cups anyway, we have the CONCACAF Champions League semifinal first leg Big game between two Liga and Mekis teams. One of these teams will be going on to the final versus one MLS team or the other, whichever one wins the other semifinal. Pumas versus Cruz Azul. That is at 10 p.m. on Fox Sports 1 and 2 de N. 
We're not quite done yet, though. Those are just the International Cups. We also have a Domestic Cup, the U.S. Open Cup. The second round happens tonight. All these games are on ESPN+, Plus, which is, means it's going to be likely your only chance to catch a lot of these teams if you don't live in their particular city. At 7 p.m., we have Pittsburgh Riverhounds versus Maryland Bobcats and Charlotte Independence versus North Carolina Fusion U23. At 7 p.m., we have Detroit City versus Michigan Stars. Tampa Bay Rowdies versus the Villages, and Indy 11 versus St. Louis City 2. At 8 p.m., we have Union Omaha versus the Des Moines Menace. At 8.30 p.m., we have San Antonio versus Defeaters Kicks. I have to go into this club name again because it's so amazing. Defeaters, D-apostrophe-F-E-E-T, like your foot, feet, ers, kicks, defeaters, kicks. Love it. They represent the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and they are now my favorite team remaining in the U.S. Open Cup. Also at 8.30 p.m., FC Tulsa versus Tulsa, Tulsa Athletic. A little bit of a Tulsa derby going on in the U.S. Open Cup. I like it. 9.30 p.m., New Mexico United versus Las Vegas Legends FC. 10.30 p.m., Central Valley Fuego versus El Paso Locomotive. Also at 10.30 p.m., Orange County SC versus LA Force. Again, all of those games are available on ESPN+. Now, like I said, the Champions League is today, and with that in mind, I wanted to send it over to our friends at the Athletic Football Podcast. They had Adam Crafton on yesterday to talk about his interview with Nasser El Khalafi, including his thoughts on comparing the Champions League final to the Super Bowl. I thought it was kind of an interesting discussion, and hopefully you do too. Let's send it over to them. Uh, Adam, you've uh, done this interview that's on the site today with Nasser Al-Khalifi, the president of Paris Saint-Germain. He's also the chairman uh, of the European Clubs Association, and he's also the chairman of Qatari uh, Sports Investment. So he's got a lot going on. What kind of man is he, Adam? Well, he's got he's got even more going on than that. I mean, he's also on the UEFA Executive Committee. He's to the Qatar Tennis Federation, the Asian Tennis Federation. He's just launched a global paddle tournament as well. Um, so yeah, lots, lots of lots of different positions, as well as being the chair of Being Sport, one of the largest acquirers of live sport in the world. What kind of man is he? I think he is. It's very difficult to know. I mean, I didn't spend that long with him, not to undersell the interview, but I only had around 15, 15, 15 to 20 minutes with him. So how well can you get to know someone in 15 to 20 minutes? He is more laid back than he might come across, you know, on television when you see him just sort of glaring on from the stands. He's quite funny. I think he has different ideas. I think he likes the idea of challenging the status quo. And I think he also seems to be buying into this idea that he is someone who can promote fairness in European football, which, you know, for those for those among his peers who have accused, you know, Manchester City and PSG for the last 10 years of distorting European football. I think they find that quite difficult to stomach, this idea that the PSG chairman is the guy who, you know, who who stopped the Super League and is now running the European Clubs Association. It's very high up at UEFA as well. And following on from that, so he makes the point to you that he can't understand why the Champions League doesn't have a bigger profile than the Super Bowl, right? That he that, That's one of his things with you. <laughs> At the same time, I feel like saying to him, you do know the Super Bowl this year had a team in it that went from being the worst in the league two years ago to now the equivalent of of the final. They they were the runners-up. So one of the reasons why people buy into it so much is because genuinely, at the start of a season, half the league probably have got good chances of winning it, which is completely it's com- the complete opposite of the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, he he would argue that if it was up to him, you would almost have a kind of highly unregulated investment space in fo- in football where 
you could have lots and lots of PSGs where P, you know, PSG 10, 15 years ago weren't competing at the other end of the Champions League and weren't, in fact, anywhere near it. So he would say, well, let people invest, let people grow. The problem is there's only so many Qatar investment projects to go around. So that, that's not going to happen at, at lots and lots of different clubs. The, the other thing which I'm sure he does realise, given that he's involved in, a, in buying sports TV rights, is the Super Bowl doesn't get as big an audience as the Champions League final globally. The Champions League final is bigger. But I think what he's talking about is this concept of thinking creatively around events and around live sport and how can you, and it all comes down to the essential question, which you and Matt, I'm sure, discuss every single week, which is how can you grow this thing without pissing off all your other stakeholders, whether that's media or fans or rival clubs? How can you continue to make money out of this, grow something commercially in a way that doesn't upset everyone? And I think some of the ideas which he talks about in this piece are pretty uncontroversial. The idea for example, the Champions League, rather than just starting on a Tuesday night where you've got six or seven games all going on at the same time, why not have one night which is standalone with an opening ceremony so it feels like more of an event, more of a launch? That doesn't seem so, you know, so wild or controversial. The idea as well that the Champions League final could be a more of a creative event. He talked about the way the Americans think. I think part of his thinking was skewed, skewed by the fact that um, the ECA had two guys in from Harvard Business School presenting. And I think some, some people there just sort of drunk the Kool-Aid a little bit and come away thinking, how can, how can we buy into all these different, different ideas, whether it's NFTs or Bitcoin or metaverse or over-the-top media service, all things which are going to happen, you know, in due course in, in European football. But I think, he, you know, he came out of, of that presentation inviting Harvard Business School into PSG to look at how they do things and how they can refine things. So there's, there's always going to be backlash against any of these ideas. And, and, and he, even he says some of these ideas might not be very good, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about them. And it, and it doesn't mean that we have to just accept things staying the way they are forever. That's not me necessarily backing them, but... No, but Bisley, Adam, that is a fair point that we discuss a lot, Matt, on Mm. on the Business of Sport Mm -hmm. podcast, which is there is nothing wrong with throwing ideas out there. They may be bad in the end and they may not work, but progression never happens unless you actually throw some ideas out there. I I completely agree. And um, I think Adam's piece is really interesting. I think Nasser Khalifi is a really interesting guy. I mean, he wears so many hats. I mean, that, 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 that is... What, what makes him kind of controversial, to be honest, you know, this, this, at times he is this, I wouldn't say self-appointed, but, but it, it's become part of the story about him, this sort of savior of European football. But other times he is this massive media rights buyer that has commercial interest in this. There's various conflicts and he seems incredibly conflicted as well and just busy. But I think his points and the points you're making about there's nothing wrong with progress. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with repackaging stuff and shaking things up. And I think some of his ideas that come across in the piece are perfectly sensible. And they're, and they're actually, they've been talked about for a while. So one is this idea, and this was kind of one of the reasons, there were several reasons, of course, but one of the things that was about, that was feeding into the European Super League argument, that UEFA was running the show commercially. They, they basically had this very cosy relationship with a marketing company. Nothing really ever changed. The clubs felt a little bit dictated to. And I think the, the point that many of the big clubs were making was, well, domestically, we do this stuff, right? We're quite good at this. We've got really good commercial people. We're a little bit ahead of you. And this just seems a little bit the same every year. You know, wh- why don't we have a partnership like we have back at home in the Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, Premier League in particular? And, and UEFA kind of, Got there eventually. They've gone with a joint venture, and I do think we're going to 
just naturally get some more of these ideas about do you replicate, do you repeat the COVID experiment of having a final four type tournament, you know, one place and we have like a big build up week. That was, uh, you know, sort of necessity that did that, but it it was perceived really well. It went quite well. I, I like Khalifi's idea about a better launch. You, you start with a bang, defending champions play someone. You, you start with you start with a big game. I quite like innovating around the Super Cup. I mean, let's be honest. If your if your team's not in the Super Cup, do you care? Well, that's a bit of a wasted opportunity, isn't it? And look, we we know the Athletic. There are listeners everywhere. There are readers everywhere. We've got to go beyond just the fans that come to the stadium the fans that are buying the big premium subscription back home. What do we give fans in Africa, Asia, North America? Ooh, you know, if we don't want to take competitive fixtures because of all sorts of complexities, can we at least give them a decent friendly? You know, so little things like that. And I quite like the, I, I don't mind at all. Oh, I've already seen the comments in Adam's piece around doing something around a halftime show. Combable asked the question last year about, could we have 25 minutes for the Copa de Libertadores, because they were thinking, could we have a bit of a song and dance routine in there? And, 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 and FIFA and IFAB said no. But you know, why not? A regular NFL halftime is only 12 minutes. They, they, they realise the Super Bowl is different. They realise the Super Bowl is important. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, and actually, one of the big discussion points every year ahead of a Super Bowl is how players react to a halftime that's double its normal length because that is that is quite different for them. As far as Paris Saint-Germain is concerned, Adam, he, he talks to you about how his role has changed. The, the interesting thing about him is, as Matt says, he's got these many hats. So he is simultaneously president of PSG, UEFA executive committee, chair of the ECA, running B in sports, which I don't think we always realise in the UK actually how big B in sport is in, in France, that the Middle East, uh, the States, you know, this is a huge, huge uh, acquirer of live sports. And there's, and there's lots of other things that he's, that he's doing at the same time. And it was interesting. I mean, he was asked about, I asked him about this, you know, this idea that there's a lot of people, you know, at that ECA conference last week, you don't really love the idea that NASA is running the show. And that you have lots of people there from whether it's PSG or being sport, having quite a lot of say now about how European football is run, given that for a long time they've been painted as the threat to European football. His point was, well, when all the clubs left to join the Super League, I had a number of different club directors coming to me and asking me to be president because I was the most recognisable senior executive left in the room. So I was just helping them out. Then when the Media Pro deal in France, which was the television deal which collapsed last year and left French football in a really poor state, 
collapsed. He then said, well, then the league came to me and said, NASA, can you help us? Can you sort this out? And I sorted it out. And, and there's lots of these different situations, you know, UEFA, oh, all these other executives have dropped out. What was I meant to do? They've asked me to help out. I'm helping out. And then as soon as I help out and things look good again, all of a sudden, everyone says I'm conflicted. But when they need me, they want my help. Now, on, he's got a point. He's got a point here, right? Like, you can't, on the, on the one hand, constantly just say, you know, this guy is a danger to European football. But then as soon as anything comes along where you need a bit of money or something sorting, go running to him and say, oh, by the way, NASA, can you sort this out? I mean, you've had an interesting situation in, in France over the past few weeks where they've agreed a deal with uh, CVC to acquire, I think it's 13% of the League One commercial and broadcasting package, a little bit like what we've seen in La Liga. And you know, PSG have made a gesture by saying, actually, you know, we won't take all the money straight away. You know, we'll leave it to be spread amongst some of the smaller clubs and middle clubs. So he's saying, you know, I now have clubs in France saying, NASA, thank you. You know, without you, without PSG, we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be able to do this. And we would never have, have uh, I think that deal was worth in excess of a billion. We'd never have driven so much if it wasn't for PSG investing so much into French football, into European football. So you've got that situation again. And what it's done is create this culture of dependency, which just continues actually to make PSG and, and Nasser Al-Khalafi more and more powerful. It's interesting as well, because he was asked about this idea of PSG, a bit like Manchester City. Is it just sports washing? A bit like Newcastle. Is it sports washing? Is it a vanity project? And his answer to that was, well, you know, I bought this, we bought this club for 70 million euros in 2010, 2011. And I'm now turning down bids for the club, which are worth huge multiples of that. So that means it's an investment project. And, and you know, we've seen with Manchester City as well that when Silver Lake acquired, um, I think it was 10%, was it 10% of the club? That at the time, it gave Man City the highest valuation of the sports team in, in the world. So th there is, you know, these counter narratives which can be made by whether it's City or PSG or Newcastle about investment projects and how their investment creates a more competitive landscape and how they're there to inject capital into the sport. And this will ultimately be, you know, the nub of what is of the discussions that will continue to go on far beyond the World Cup and over the next decade or so in terms of what sort of sport do we want and who do we look to for help when, you know, when the shit hits the fan. Completely agree. I mean, it is funny that, uh, certainly with the ECA, right? I mean, I, I mean, po the points he makes that I can give examples to sort of back them all up. I mean, I can also give some examples to just knock them all down again. But I mean, that's the point, right? You know, he, he raises these issues. So the ECA is a classic one, right? It, it was essentially run by Bayern Munich and with, with, with sort of heavy backing from the big Premier League clubs. But then European Super, and, and of course, due, you know, Andrea Agnelli was the app. The ultimate boss, Juventus. So you get to that tumultuous weekend, which was about a year ago, and Agnelli walks out with the big six, with Real and Barca. I mean, for, for a day or two, the ECA was dead, dead. Nasser Al-Khalifi is the one left standing. Bayern didn't go with it, but we, we are led to believe, certainly flirted with the idea. The rest of the clubs are looking around going, well, who's going to lead us? It can't be any of the, the the traitors. Do we go with Bayern again? Well, Bayern have sort of, you know, kind of run the show before. Rummenigge used to run it and, you know, their lawyer helped basically write the rule book. And it was sort of like, oh God, we can't go with Bayern again. There was no real choice. It had to be him. And of course, he had, through being, an outsized say with UEFA. UEFA needed PSG and being to stay to be loyal. And this is it. You know, you go back to the decision to buy PSG. Was that in any way connected to the fact 
that Qatar's bid for the World Cup and getting getting Platini to change his vote, investing in in the favourite team and investing in the French league. We're talking about big, big, big boy stuff here, geopolitics stuff. And he is right at the centre of it. He is the front man of Qatar's investment in football. Thanks to the Athletic Football Podcast for that. If you want more from that side of the Atlantic as the Premier League season draws to a close, it's available on The Athletic and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Elsewhere in soccer news, Atlanta United midfielder Osvaldo Alonso tore his right ACL in Saturday's win over DC United, the team announced on Monday. In addition, Atlanta United midfielder Mateus Rosetto will miss two to four weeks because of a left hand hamstring injury, and worryingly, forward Joseph Martinez is having his right knee evaluated after some recent discomfort. All three players have been regular starters this season, of course. Martinez leads the team in goals and assists through five matches. Alonso is 36 years old. He was in his first year with Atlanta United after three seasons with Minnesota United, and Rosetto has made 41 appearances for Atlanta United over the last three seasons. Lastly, Netherlands manager Louis van Hall has announced that he is receiving treatment for prostate cancer. The 70-year-old has already said that he will step down from his third spell in charge of the national team after this year's World Cup. He has previously managed Manchester United, Ajax, Barcelona, and Bayern Munich in just a really iconic managing career. All the best to him and his family. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.